It is. And yeah, some people don't talk that way. I can't go back to a lower church than any. Don't bother me. Okay. Well, if I start to snore, just tip me. That's true. That's true. <laughs> if I, I start, and, and reciprocal, if I start to snore. Yeah, well, you ain't going <laughs> to sleep. And I'm not either. I had a really good night's sleep last night. Am I on? I am. I am. I can hardly hear myself. We have what? Oh, mat level? Oh, okay. There you go. I can hear myself now. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? Wonderful. I'm in church. I like this weather. For Florida, it's cool. And at times, I yeah. can't believe it. Yeah, I'm, I'm appreciative of you guys. You, you all here, even with the time jump. Yeah. Well, yep. And then, yeah, I almost missed a flight to Los Angeles because of the time. My, my clocks decided to change, but it wasn't a change yeah. week. That's yeah, crazy stuff. Yep. At that time, we didn't have, did I have a cell phone at that time? I don't think I did. Yeah. Okay. The day before his arrest. Do you remember when he got arrested? What time of day it was? Roughly? It was morning. Late at night. It was like two or three in the morning. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, it plays into this particular part of the scriptures that we're going to go to today is to say, you can kind of see why they did it in the middle of the night when nobody was watching. So, states will be crucified and a leadership plans his murder. When Jesus had finished all these words, he said to the disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. You kind of imagine their eyes kind of popped open a little bit at that particular point. Because it kind of, kind of, I kind of said it, maybe he said it kind of casually. But he was laser focused. I mean, it was less than a day that he's going to be arrested. Probably a day before he's going to be sentenced and crucified. So this is really beginning to weigh on his mind. And the first thing he didn't do because he said he didn't know. Well, that's the whole thing, yeah. When you, when you run through the rigmarole that they put him through. Between Pilate and Herod. But, when Jesus told the disciples, has he told them before? She's right. Told them before. He said, he said the man is going to be, the son of man is going to be crucified. <coughs> but was he specific? Not yet. Yeah. No. No, before, no. This time, extremely specific. He says, basically, he's saying, in two days, I'll be dead. At that time, the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the courtyard of the high priest named Caiaphas. They plotted together to arrest Jesus covertly and kill him. Suddenly, it got louder. 
It warmed up, huh? It has a certain ring to it. <laughs> so, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, not during the festival, otherwise a riot might occur among the people. And the chief priests and the scribes were trying to find a way to put him to death since they were afraid of the people. So who's Caiaphas? High priest, okay. So, the high priest, the one giving the responsibility to bring people to God, is plotting how to kill God. Kind of shows you how far away from God they really got. What shows they were, what shows they were cruel and deceitful? Chief priests and scribes and elders. They were worried about their opinion, people's opinions were. They were worried about the riot. Yeah, they were worried about the riot. In verse 4, covertly arrest him and kill him. Which they're not, they were plotting murder. This is the spiritual leadership for the Jews plotting a murder. What was their primary motivation? Power. Power. And don't get caught. What's their only concern? Yeah, job security. Losing favor. That was their only motivation and their only concern. So, Judas negotiates. And you notice in there, I, what I did is I, I put together some of the more descriptive parts from the different three different Gospels, Luke, Matthew, and Mark, and John, later on, John. John doesn't talk about this really at all. But it gives a pretty good, a pretty good description when you put the three of them together. So that's kind of what I did. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went off to the chief priests in order to betray them. And said, What are you willing to give me to betray you, to, to betray him to you? And they set out for him 30 pieces of silver. They were delighted when they heard this, that he wanted to betray him, and promised to give him money, the money. And he began see, and they, he began seeking how to betray him in an opportune moment. Why did he betray Jesus? Why did Jesus do that? It was greed, okay. What was his responsibility with the twelve? He was a treasurer. And he was crooked. He was stealing. We call it embezzling. But that's what he basically was doing. Judas had seen three years of miracles. Hadn't he? Remember what happened to him in Galilee when he went home? Remember what they tried to do to him? Jesus? He tried to throw him off a cliff? And Jesus just walked through the crowd. Walked away. I don't know whether he, Judas had it in his mind and says, I'm going to make a little money. Jesus can take care of himself. There's no way in the world they can hurt him. Just conjecture on my part. 
But I kind of wonder whether that was on his mind to say, you know, it's, it's not going to be that bad. I, and I'm not going to get caught, huh? I mean, it's obvious that they didn't need someone to point him out. Well, that was kind of dumb, wasn't it? I mean, he'd been in the temple all week long. They knew what he looked like. Hello? Yeah, that, was, that always kind of perplexed me a little bit, too. So how did they react to um, Judas's proposal? Yeah, we're delighted. We've got one of the 12. We've got an inside man. He needs to go. Yeah. So what would be considered an opportune time? Yeah, when her people wouldn't be around, like the middle of the night. <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. So, Jesus sends Peter and John off to prepare for the Last Supper. So all this is going on. So Judas has gone off, and he sends off Peter and John to say, okay. And the place is already ready, ready to go. Oh, on the first day of the unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And, Jesus, and, so, and so Jesus went to Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. They said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? So what, was the, what day of the week was it when they started looking for somewhere to eat the Passover meal? Yeah, what day of the week was that? Wednesday. Okay. Who did Jesus arrange for the Passover meal? Send to arrange. Peter and John. Okay. What's the relationship between Christ and Peter and John? Extraordinarily close. And with John, even closer. So how much initiative do they seem to show? They were totally focused on being a servants, weren't they? We'll do whatever you want us to do, just tell us what to do. And he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you, follow him into the house he enters. And the market's very specific. And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover meal, Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upstairs room, furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. The disciples left, came to the city, and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Why would Mark's account be so specific? Because Matthew's and Luke's wasn't. What did Mark appeal to as far as a writer? And Susan's smiling because she knows the answer to this one. Intellectual. Intellectuals, but the Roman Gentile mind was who Mark was writing to to say, do you understand just how miraculous this was? He knew exactly everything. Everything down to where the room was, how it was prepared, everything. Yeah, yeah. 
It, it's like, how specific, how specific do you need to be to show that you really... Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, she normally would have been doing that instead of the innkeeper. Yep. So that's why Mark, Mark has a lot of that detail about if a miracle happened, you get a lot of details in it in Mark. So, how would you have reached, reacted to the kind of instruction Jesus gave to Peter and John? Easy to follow. Hard to mess up. Okay. Pretty specific. I just got through putting up something that had some instructions that were awful. And it was a 45-minute job that took me three hours. Okay. They went and handled this, and it got done right away. How would you have reacted, though, when somebody gave you that much specific instruction and it actually happened exactly the way they explained it? How would you react? Yeah. Yeah. It would be just, it would be so surprising. I mean, if somebody told you to say, go to this place to see this woman, she's going to be wearing this color dress, she's going to have this kind of jewelry on, she's going to walk down the street, she's going to turn left, follow her and tell her something, and she'll react this way, and she'll take you to this particular area, and it's a room, and it's blue, and it's got a table in the corner, and, and everything was there. I would have followed the numbers. <laughs> I remember the old paint-by-numbers. Yeah, I know, but each step, yep. I, I'd have a number on it, and I'd do it exactly uh, that way. It's, it's interesting because they're getting used to this. Yeah, they are. Go get the baskets. Go get the, you know, all the, de the they, they just did it. They just knew it was going to happen. And they, knew, and they knew he was going to be dead on right. Cash Everything. Cash and death on the other side of the boat. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Is there more fish over here? It's like three feet away. Yeah. <laughs> so one more lesson for the disciples. Now, before the Feast of Passover, so now we're at the feast, we're at the upper room, we're at the Feast of the Passover. Now, before the Feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from this world to the Father, having loved of his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during the supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had handed all things over to him and that he had come forth from God and was going to go back to God, got up from the supper and laid out his garments aside and took a towel and tied it around himself. So how do you feel about all the disciples? He loved them, including who? Judas. Judas. What was he preparing to do? Wash their feet. Wash their feet. Then he poured water into the basin and began washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with the towel which he had tied around himself. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not realize right now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, 
you have no place with me. So why did he wash their feet? To show them that he was a servant and they should be a servant. Yep. Show them what it is to be a servant. Yep. The greatest, and this will come back if I get to it today, this will come back later on in this same lesson to say, whoever is the greatest is the one who serves the most. But that's not where their head is. Based on Peter's response, what was the reaction of the disciples? I think they were amazed. Amazed or shocked? Yeah, shocked. Okay. Embarrassed? Because they, they, they know who he is. Peter has already said who he is. You're the son of God. I don't know if they got there or not. It was, I mean, there's a good reason to wash their feet. It's because they stunk. And when you're... Sandals. Huh? They wore sandals. Yeah, but ooze, everything oozes around them sandals, too. But, yeah, they, they were open-toed, open, open, open to the, all of anything that they walked through. Yeah. I think that perhaps because of the past discussions between Peter and Jesus, they were all saying, okay, what lesson are we going to get now? Yeah, they might have said, yeah, what's, okay, what's he doing now? What, what are we supposed to be getting out of this? And you remember in, in the Passover meal, the way they take it is the table's like low. And they're reclining. So if you're reclining, your feet's out like this, and the guy that's next to you, your feet's right next to him, right next to his nose. So you can understand, washing the feet was also very practical to be done. When would they understand why he washed their feet. A long time. Okay. I suspect that understanding came some on the day of Pentecost. When the Spirit came to them and they said, now we get it. Service until, until death. Because that's what he's doing. Service until death. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet. Otherwise, he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he said, the one who is betraying him, betraying him it was for this reason that he said, not all of you are clean. What state of being clean is Jesus referring to? Their heart. Their faith. They have full faith in him. And because of that, they're clean. He's going to clean them. He cleans them physically here. He's going to clean them spiritually the next day. Why was Judas not clean? It was his heart. It was his lack of faith. Then, when he had washed their feet and taken garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? Or do you, yeah, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are correct. For so I am. And use the I am word again, too. So, if I, the Lord, and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I give you it as an example so that you also 
would do just as I did for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is greater than the one who sent him. So what does washing feet represent? And what's, what's he trying to teach him? His last lesson. What's he trying to teach him? What does the washing of feet represent? Get humble. Humble. Huh? The mission? To each other. That's the key. You need, you guys, and he's going to pray for unity when he's in the garden. Because it's going to get tough. And he knows it's going to get tough. But it's the service to one another. I gave service to you. I'm about to be exalted. I'm about to be the king for the forever kingdom. But I'm washing your feet. And that's the lesson he's trying to teach him is to say, don't try and put yourself above anybody. There's a natural order that's there. He says, I'm not as great as the one who sent me. You know, the Father who is the one who sent me. I'm not greater than him. But even in that case, he chose them. But he said, I'm not greater than you. I'm going to serve you. So how's... Yes. We are, we, yeah, and, 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 you can, and you can see that humility. You know, his example of washing feet was against hierarchical relationships. You know, you've got the bug boss. Why would he come in and wash your feet? And he says, we're here to serve each other. Nobody's above somebody else as far as what goes. There is a hierarchical relationship. There's Jesus who's the head of the church and the church. That's it. There's nobody more important. The elders aren't more important than anybody else in the church. The deacons aren't more important than anybody else in the church. We're all servants. We have different jobs. We have different responsibilities. And he made it that way so that the church has to work together. If you know these things, you are blessed. If you do them, I am not speaking about all of you. I know the ones whom I have chosen. But this is happening so that the scripture may be filled, he who eats my bread has lifted, up my, has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. So why does Jesus say, that what is going to happen is so that the scripture is fulfilled. Does the scripture cause the event or the state of the event is going to occur so that we see it as a sign? He says, so the scripture be fulfilled. Did that cause it to happen? Or God looks ahead in time and says, this is what's going to happen. Did he cause the room to be open for him when the John and, and Peter went in? No. But he knew it was going to happen. But it's a sign. 
Certainly was a sign when they went through and they found the upper room and everything the way it was. And he says, I'm telling you this now. So you understand it was the way. In other words, it, and Peter didn't listen. I don't know if the other ones were afraid to do anything or not, but he's saying is the events that are going to occur in the next 24 hours are supposed to occur just as they are. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. That's supposed to happen. And it's one of you that's going to do it to me. That's supposed to happen. Who he was. Yeah. What he was going through, yeah. he was afraid. Okay. And Peter was the one who drew the sword and yeah. cut off the servant's ear. Which he's what he's saying here right now is don't fight it. Yeah. Because every time he would say something, he would deny it. But the cop wrote three times. Yep. Actually, he denied three times for the cop. Yeah. Yeah. So he instituted his memorial. This is actually fairly short, but it's important for us. Without a Matthew. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall not eat again until it's fulfilled the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup, given thanks, and said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. So what hour is it that it's come. It's the beginning of the end, yeah. It's, it's coming up to that time where he's going to leave and assume his kingdom. When does he eat and drink with the apostles again, or disciples? Remember he eats up in the upper room? He shows them he can eat and he can drink. He's real. He's not a ghost. He's not a spirit. He's not a specter. He's real. While they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take it. This is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my this is the blood of my cup, this is my blood of the covenant, which is being poured out. For many. And many was a whole bunch. So what is the instituted here? This is the Lord's Supper. This is his memorial to say, remember me. Remember what I'm going to go do. So how does it correlate to this festival? The bread and the wine. What's Huh? Death, burial, resurrection. Yeah, the death here. The, this particular festival is the Passover. The Passover is the lamb who's given so that the death angel would pass over the firstborn in Egypt. And now you have the lamb that's going to be given for everybody. That's why this was the perfect event for him to be sacrificed. He identifies as a betrayer. I always thought this was kind of strange. It's like, they were not paying attention. Now, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. 
And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. So how far do you think they are in the meal when he makes this proclamation? I think this is well into the, after the meal. I think this is after meal discussion time. Yep. Yeah, they were eating. We just said, I will not eat or drink with you again. Right. After, after this meal. Right. Yeah, but this is, this is all part of the same meal. But it's, yeah. No, the meal is the Passover meal. Yeah, but the Passover meal is a specific. It's the bitter herbs and the yeah. lamb and all. It's not where he took the cup and said, now, this represents my blood. Yeah. This that happened at the end of the It's two different ways in the, in the scripture. And when you look at all of them. In, I believe in Mark, it has it. In this order, in Luke, it has it in this order, and John and Matthew has in the other order. It's hard to say which way it is, you know. But it's all during the same meal. It's all during the same, in the upper room. All this is occurring. Huh? Same events. Same events, okay. But I kind of viewed this as, okay, we're all, we've all kind of had, I, th I looked at it as we've had the Lord's Supper. You know, I've, I've instituted my Lord's Supper for you to remember me. We've had our meal. We've had our Passover part of the meal. And we're casually eating here at the end, and he throws this out. One of you is going to, one of you, and it's one of you who are eating with me. Because when he does this, I think it kind of, it, it spun the whole wheel, the whole meal and everything out. They, they just, they went off and, and didn't have too much more food. So how did the disciples react, do you think? Shot, yeah. What did he say? Suspicious of each other, who's gonna do it? Yeah. Lying back on Jesus' chest was one of the disciples whom he loved. So Simon Peter nodded to the disciple and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He then, the one that was laying back, he then simply leaned back on Jesus' chest and said to him, Lord, who is it? Being deeply grieved, they began saying to him, Each one, surely it is not I, Lord. So who's lying back on Jesus' chest? John. Peter's sitting right there. John's leaning back. And he, you can see he's leaning back on his chest. And Jesus' head's right, like right here. So, actually not half. Why do you think Peter asked John, he asked Jesus, the question, who is it? I can't hear you, Wanda. John was closer to 
Yeah, he was, I mean, like I said, he was laying on his chest. So they were right there together. And Peter, Peter said, hey, ask him, who is it? You, know, you can kind of see it almost. Ask him who it is. You know? John, you're right there. You know? You're right there. You got his attention. Because all the rest of them are kind of, so it wasn't me, it wasn't me, you know. And they want, they, they're trying to, you know, some of them are saying, surely it's not I, it's not me. And, and they're, they're focused, Peter and John are focused to say, who is it? They know it's not them. Yeah, he, he did. He did. And, and Peter and John were very close. You kind of see it through this, how, how close they'd become together. So they went from initial shock to what? It's not me, is it? It can't be me. All of them are saying that. They were questioning that it was going to happen. Now they were questioning the details. Yep. Yeah. Jesus then answered, That man is one for whom I shall dip the piece of bread and give it to him. I don't know what they heard this particular part because they weren't watching. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. After this, Satan entered him. Therefore Jesus said to him, what you were going to do, what you were doing, do it quickly. So after receiving the piece of bread, he left immediately, and it was night. So who seems to be the only one in the room that knows that Jesus knows he's the betrayer? Judas. Uh, the other guy sitting there going, that's not me, is it? Well, it could be. But was it you? You know, they're not watching. They're not, I don't know how they missed it, but they missed it. How'd they miss it? I think they were just in shock. For the Son of Man is going away just as is written about him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Now, none of you, none of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were assuming, since Jesus kept the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we need for the feast, or else that he was, he was, to, give, he was to give something to the poor. And they began to debate among themselves which one of them who was going to do this. So they were kind of consumed, and they were really watching what was going on. So what happened to Judas? He's out the door. He's He's out the door. He started his mission. And the, the reason? They saw Judas get up and leave. Well, no, he, Jesus told him to leave. Go do what you're going to go do. Okay. And do it quickly. And do it quickly. Yeah. But, and, and Jesus didn't try to deter him from doing that because it was meant to be. They just assumed, oh, oh, he's leaving. Okay, well, it must not be him. 
Well, yeah, they were pushing probably pretty hard to figure out who it was at this particular point. It would have stopped everything. Right. Yep. The devil thought he would have had things rolling. He's going to get rid of this guy. He's going to get rid of the Son of God. He's going to kill him. So how distracted had they become? Totally. Totally distracted. So they didn't decide. I called it a digress into a frustrating discussion. And a dispute also developed them as to which one of them was regarded as being the greatest. Remember how it started out? The towel around the waist, washing feet, and they go into this discussion? Are you kidding me? And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles domineer over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not that way with you. Rather, the one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the servant. Which was the lesson he started with. <laughs> so how does this debate the disciples having fit with the foot washing? It's diametrically opposed. Yeah, yeah. It's just like right over their heads. Right over their heads. So what principle is Jesus trying to teach them? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. If you want to be great, you have to be the servant. And it's just, they haven't gotten past it yet. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table, the one who serves? Is it not, is, is, is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I say among you as one who serves. You are the ones who have stood by me in my trials. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you may sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So, his example of a servant and a person eating, what point is he trying to get across to them? The first part in 27, he says, this is the way it is in the world, but I among you as one who serves. He was greater than them, but he served them. The foot washing was the example that he gave to them. And like I said, it went right over their heads. From those who are in the room, who's the greatest? Jesus. He knows he's the greatest. But he's the servant. He served them. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift you, you men, like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. So everybody, everybody knows about this one. So why did... Jesus addressed Peter specifically. What was Peter's nature? Impulsive. He's the one who's going to speak up first. He's the one who's going to go, and that nature is going to play into the day of Pentecost. 
Because who's the one that first stands up to speak? Peter. It's his personality. It's who he is. He's going to say what's on his... He's a guy, you don't have to wonder what's on his mind. Because he's going to tell you. That's Peter's personality. I also feel like, remember, Jesus knew the future. Judas went out and hung himself. And I think he felt guilt for doing that. Peter's going to feel guilt. Yeah. And he wants to make sure he doesn't do something that drastic because he says, I've prayed for you that you'll not fail and you'll come back. And come back I mean, and strengthen you. but it's, Jesus knows that. Jesus, Jesus knows that the leader is going to be Peter. They're going to draw strength from Peter. John is going to be the one who knows the personality of Christ the most. And you can see that in his writings. I think I had one more slide. And he said to them, When I sent you out without money, belt and bag and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? They said, No, nothing. And he said to them, But now... Whoever has a money belt is to take it along, likewise also a bag, and whoever has no sword to sell it in a cloak and buy one. For I tell you, that which is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted with the wrongdoers. For that which refers to me has its fulfillment. They said to him, Look, look, Lord, there are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. When they got done with this, then they went to the garden. And that's where Doug's going to pick up next week. The one that has it, and he was counted with wrongdoers. What does that mean? Who was with him on the cross? Two thieves. That's what that's talking about. Ah. Yeah.